Hello and welcome to episode 138 of uh, the In Squash podcast. This is Super Squash Saturdays, by the way, and we have a bonus episode this week. Uh, on episode 138, we have Graham riding, and he's part, of course, of the uh, dynamic duo of commentary that they have for uh, the Diego Elias and Jonathan Power matches that are taking place every Saturday. Uh, the series is tied at one apiece right now, and uh, Graham is going to come on, and I've Always wanted to have Graham on anyways, a Canadian legend, three-time Canadian national champion. Uh, number 10 in uh, the world rankings was his highest, which was great. He got to the semifinal of the World Open, and he talks about that experience uh, today. Uh, we take a bit of a deep dive into his, uh, his squash career, and of course we talk quite a bit about Super Squash Saturdays. Now, uh, before we get into uh, Graham's episode, let me tell you a little bit about our sponsor, Active Scout. Active Scout is uh, is an app, and uh, it it was launched just before uh, the global pandemic uh, took squash away from us. Uh, everyone's going uh, stir crazy right now, but envision yourself getting out on court again for the first time in months. Let, let's envision that. That's something that we we want to achieve. Now, Active Scout is an app. That was launched just days before the global shutdown. It's an app that was designed to grow the sport of squash, but since the shutdown, it has been redesigned to get the clubs open the game while addressing public safety. So that's uh, that's a critical thing and, and something that we want to uh, you know that could probably help a lot of people. Now, uh, Active Scout is relaunching the app again for June first. At its core. Active Scout is a social network designed specifically to integrate with a club's existing club management system to increase youth squash participation, increase lessons for coaches, and increase revenue opportunities for the pros. Now it has even more features to help clubs open faster, safer, and to get membership growing. And that's the key because with this shutdown, who knows how that's going to affect membership. So Active Scout will be there uh, to help us uh, hit the ground. Well, you know, sort of get back uh, and try to get things normal again in our squash lives in the squash community. So I'm looking forward to having the guys from uh, Active Scout come on to the podcast and explain more in the lead up to June 1st. But Active Scout, uh, it'll be there to help us get uh, squash back into our lives in the very nearest future. Active Scout, it'll be relaunched on June 1st. Now, today, episode 138 with Graham Riding. I'm a few years older than you, I think. I'm 51, so uh, you're... Okay. Yeah. Yeah. You so went, I'm 40. Uh, what am I? I'm 44. 44. Yeah. So you would have been yeah. just sort of uh, like my last provincial teams. That was Matt Bishop's uh, first. So he, okay. he was uh, on the, when we traveled, that was his first, he was 18, 17. At that yeah, time. yeah. And he, that was, and he was, my, he was my, he was my, uh, my generation, Matt Bishop. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, Nanaimo uh, with uh, Dean Brown. Uh, I, I told a little story on the podcast uh, when he came on. Uh, I, l- I listened to it actually. Yeah, it, was yeah. it was funny. It was funny. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he grabbed the mic and started telling jokes. Yeah. At the at the Saturday social. Yeah, I'm not surprised. I've seen that before. Yeah, and uh, you know he he's he's good at what he does. He 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 could have been a great comedian, I'm sure. I think so. Yeah. Well, he is. He's enjoying the platform right now. I'll tell you that much. Absolutely. And you're, uh, you're doing your, you're doing a great job as well, Graham. So uh, anyways, thanks for coming on. uh, Okay. The pod. Yeah. And uh, I was good. I was, I had tried to reach out to you before just to, you know, get you on as a, you know, as a, I know, you know what? I don't check my LinkedIn that much. And I think that's for you. uh, Is that where you reached out? No, I got in touch with you for the super squash thing. On LinkedIn, I thought, Frig, I'd love to get you know Graham on to just sort of talk about it, and then but long to like I've had the podcast for two years now, so uh, um, oh, have you? Yeah. Okay, cool. And I had JP on; he was my 100th episode, episode 100. Yeah. Nice. No, you know what? I uh, I I when Dean told me that he was on your podcast, I flipped through to sort of see, and you've had everybody on. You've had I've a good been lucky, of, yeah. Uh, <laughs> You've had, you've had well, quite the lineup. It's quite quite a niche, you know. I mean, uh, uh, this podcast there there aren't many. That's the reason I started it. I was going to do something more professional related uh, with what yep. I do, and uh, I just thought, you know, I'd love to listen to a, a squash podcast. I think James Zug has one, but he doesn't um, release 
much, you know, it's like once a month or something. Right. Okay. Yeah. And, yeah. um, and I think Cameron Pilly and Daryl had something out there, but they, they, you know, they're busy and stuff. So I, you know, I I've been yeah. sort of pumping them out like once a week kind of thing. And, uh, good, yeah, good. So, fill, yeah. fill the void. Exactly. Exactly. Well, Graham, uh, we'll, we'll get into it here, but again, appreciate your time. And, uh, you know, uh, just first of all, just wondering how, how life uh, under the circumstances for you and your family is going. I hope everybody is uh, safe and, uh, and healthy. Yeah, yeah. No, we're, uh, we're good. I got three kids here and my wife. So we, uh, we've, been, we've been managing, you know, we lots of, I'm basically a part-time uh, analyst. I work in the financial industry and I'm a part-time teacher with my kids these days. I'm sort of juggling yeah. and my wife's doing the same. Yeah, but, oh, that's uh, all. Your wife is Marnie, right? She's that's right. Former, yep. a very strong ladies player in Canada. I think she played professionally for a little bit, didn't she? Three, three time national champion. Three time national champion, yeah. just like you. Maybe two. No, maybe two. That's. I think I got her. I got her by one. Uh, she's okay. two time national champion, but uh, she was a good player. She got to thirty in the world. She she was a good squash player. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah. The thing is nowadays it's just so, uh, you know, you, you, you can get the, this information uh, pretty easily um, when it comes to, you know, de- uh, records and, and rankings and stuff. But yeah, I remember her from back in the day, the excellent player. And there, there were a lot of great uh, women's players back during her generation uh, uh, as yeah, well. So well, she, she had a, you know, it wasn't easy pickings back then. No. And Heather Wallace was sort of the one that blazed the trail for, her generation, right? So they, yeah, they they were taught how to be a professional by Heather. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Now, as I as we were talking about, Dean was uh, uh, on the podcast here, and he, he was uh, last week from his office tell in Edmonton. Uh, you've yeah. seen this. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> it looks like he's uh, yeah, it looks like he's comfortable in there. But uh, I can't remember the last time you and I hooked up. I know it was at a provincial teams event, but I think I think it might have been. Uh, might have been in Winnipeg. Winnipeg, or uh, I played one in Calgary when I was 18 years old, and I got uh, I got in trouble because <laughs> I went out drinking as an 18 year old, and I couldn't play very well the next day, and I ended up. Yeah, uh, we had a lot of good role models back then, guys like yeah. Jamie Jamie Crombie, Bob Ballinger. You know, yeah. they you know they they were they were just kind of guiding us, uh, guiding you uh, uh, down down the totally. right path. No, it was a bunch of animals guiding animals. That's what it was. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, that, that kind of makes sense. Yeah. Calgary or, uh, yeah, Calgary, it might've been, yes, no, Yeah. that's where I do remember it was in Calgary. Okay. Uh, yeah. Because, uh, my dad came up, my dad lives in Calgary and he came out. I okay. think that was the weekend. Yeah. I didn't play a lot of those. So, uh, you know, I played a few at the beginning and then, uh, yeah. Once, once I sort of got slapped on the wrist, um, by squash left, Ontario, then, then a bit of a bad taste in my mouth. And then, yeah. uh, and then I'm not sh- I can't remember, but then it just, it was, it didn't become a priority uh, right. uh, after that. But I kind of regret it to be honest, because it's like such a great, uh, great, That's event, a great event, but it is a social thing. It is, yeah. it, it, it is, there's a huge social element to it. So I guess the fact that you were just a bit under, underage, maybe, maybe that had something. Yeah. And then it. later, to be honest, there was no prize money in it. Uh, I think there is now, but there's no prize money in that event later. Right. So yeah. I always remember that event conflicting with, with an event where there was, uh, where there was some prize money and we were, you know, we were, we were hustling week to week. So I think that yeah. was, uh, yeah, that yeah. was kind of why I never really played them. You know? Yeah, definitely. I, I just, I remember the Winnipeg one. You probably weren't there. I just remember how cold it was. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I go back to Winnipeg all the time and I grew up in Winnipeg. Yeah. I don't know if you know that, but I grew up there until I was 12 years old. So, uh, yeah. Yeah, I've yeah. had, I've had lots of experience playing the Manitoba open in the, yeah. the end of January. <laughs> right. Right. That, yeah. That, that was a big one it may still be on, on the calendar. Yeah. It's still in there. It's, yeah. uh, here's my little guy. It's still, uh, January, February. You okay. know, uh, they've done a good job. What, what's your what's your squash routine like these days, Grant? Do you, do you, you, know play? Do you still much, play? It's pretty much playing with the kids, and then I get on and I'll coach the uh, the odd junior at my club. Okay. Uh, but it's pretty casual. Like I've got an arthritic hip now, so I can't oh, play. Yeah. I yeah. can't even play doubles. Um, yeah. I'm basically in line to get a hip replacement. So, uh, you know, my squash is very much just you know through the kids. 
Um, yeah. I get on court with them, and then I uh, get on court with the odd junior, and uh, right that's on. about it. Yeah, I'm struggling with a bit of a hip issue too. I, I'm pretty sure I need a hip replacement because I can't lunge at all on, on my right. right. It, it, yeah, it's kind of painful. Yeah, that's exactly what I have. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, I don't know. It just sort of crept up on me, and it was something I always managed. Uh, you yeah, just sort of warm it up, and then it would be okay. And yeah, then yeah, it just it just gave out on me, and then I couldn't uh, couldn't lift my leg up. You know, couldn't get in and out of cars properly. And oh, really? Like yeah, mine's yeah. not that bad, but uh, you know, if, if I want if I want to play a serious match, uh, yeah, I try to play through it, but, but the next day and it's, it's quite painful. And you know, if I go running and stuff, it, it can be quite, uh, yeah, yeah, quite yeah. painful, but I try yeah. to play through it. I'm being stubborn with it. I haven't even had it looked at yet. So. Yeah. I, I kind of think like if it is a hip replacement, it's like, you might as well just go as far as you can and then, and then you replace it, you know, cause it, you know, it's uh, it's just cartilage and you yeah. know, there's nothing they can do to, fix that you know your body's not designed to lunge deep deeply into that sort of lunge repetitively for 35 years you know it's no. like, that's not what the hip was designed for no, <laughs> no exactly yeah yeah it wasn't designed for this silly game but we we love it so keep playing keep playing are we on or are we just chatting? oh yeah we're yeah we're, we're on uh yeah we, i can edit stuff i can edit uh stuff out and got it okay things like cool. that but yeah we're on cool uh, yeah, so I should have mentioned that. So watch my, watch my, la- watch my <laughs> no, language. No, no, you can go F-bomb if you want. You, I mean, you guys do that on, on Triple S there. On Triple S. Uh, yeah, it, it gets a bit salty in that, in that commentary booth. Yeah, I wasn't sure how to approach it at the beginning, to be honest. Like, you know, do we try and be a bit serious and then uh, a bit comedic or whatever? But then I kind of realized, <laughs> like, Dean, you just need to let Dean go. Like, yeah. you just need to let him just be – that sort of tongue-in-cheek, uh, well, that's what he, that sarcasm. He, yeah, that's what he did. We uh, when I had him on the on last week, he told the great story about uh, how he kind of tricked Vic Router into yeah. into thinking that Jonathan's dad had taken a gray <laughs> and, <laughs> and come in by Greyhound bus. <laughs> that, that's hilarious. Yeah. But that's kind of how we grew up. It was like that was the humor. It was just like almost was just with a dead straight face you know, you just throw a lie out there and you see how far this thing could go. Like, and it would always be harmless stuff, right? Yeah. Or most, mostly. And just sort of see how far, like, you could take this tangent or whatnot. So that's exactly what Dean was doing doing uh, there, just trying to spice up the color commentary with, uh, with a little fib and uh, Vic Rutter bit and ran with it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. <clears throat> now, you mentioned Winnipeg. Uh, back in, Back when you were at that age, like 12, 13, I remember one of my first junior nationals was in Winnipeg. And uh, there were, I mean, it was a hotbed for, for really yeah. good squash players. You had the Turk brothers, obviously, the Sony family, uh, the Ridings, uh, the young Ridings uh, back then. Uh, you would have the Hookers as well. Yep. I, remember, yep. I played Mike in that, in that tournament. Uh, the, it was my second, second round match. He hammered me. Right. Right. Yeah, and uh, that would yeah. have been the first, um, that would have been my first exposure to competitive squash. Like, you know, that was the year that I started to play probably. I was eight. Okay. And I yeah. came down and just to watch the, the junior nationals and I saw Jeremy Freyberg and Scott Stoneberg. And yeah, yeah. I didn't know who they were, but I just sort of saw the squash. And I thought, oh, this looks pretty uh, classy, players. Pretty, pretty interesting. And, yeah. uh, but you're right. There was a great, you know, squash was, uh, was thriving in mm. the, 80s in Winnipeg. Uh, oh, yeah. The courts only got built in the 70s. So it was that was at the, uh, the Winnipeg Winter Club. That was the big, uh, right. uh, big facility there. And then there was another one I remember playing at, but I forget the name. Of, uh, well, there was the Winnipeg Squash Rackets Club, which is still there. Yeah. Okay. Right? That's, yeah. It's called the Squash Club, and everybody in Winnipeg just knows it as the Squash Club. Okay. Um, but at one point, there were six clubs, uh, lots of courts, um, like a really good, you know, thriving squash community in the 80s um, and uh, lots of good like coaching too like you know the mm. Turk brothers were coached by Charlie Ives and then yeah. uh, Charlie Booth was there and he was an Australian who came over and he was 16 in the world and he really uh, taught the Turks as well like on how to play properly and stuff so there was a good good level of squash knowledge in Winnipeg and if you if you sort of look at all the players that came out of Winnipeg over the years like technically they were all very very sound Archie Chala used to do a lot of um, yeah. Really good coaching at the canoe club. And, oh yeah, you know, that's yeah. where like Evan Manser and Trevor Borland and mm. 
Marnie Baisley and oh, I'm forgetting a whole bunch, but like there was a whole generation of players that yeah. were very competitive, punched above their weight, went Winnipeg and Manitoba, that's for sure. Yeah, I remember that. I mean, Mike was a good player and uh, I remember Sue Shane. He, he was really competing well against, uh, I think it would have been against Gary, Max Withers. He was that yep. age. Group, no, he I was, think. he was, he was really good. Yeah. And his he, sister uh, as well. Um, Anita. Sonia, uh, Anita. 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 Yeah. 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 So she would, she would have played in sort of like Marty's generation. And then there was a generation behind that too. And sort of Elena Miller was a two time national champion. And, yeah. uh, yeah, so there's there's a there's a great legacy of squash in Winnipeg for sure. It's it's a, um, you know, I still enjoy going back there and being part of that squash community. It's pretty cool. Yeah, it's, yeah, yeah I, I just remember how cool it was back then. But uh, now, I'd like if you don't mind before we get into the uh, the Super Squash Saturday stuff, I do want to take a little little bit of a dive into your uh, your career, which was uh, sure, which was uh, amazing. Um, now one, one thing, I mean, obviously you, you got the three Canadian national championships, Pan Am games, gold medal, uh, number 10 in the world, semifinalists in the world open. I mean, man, that, that, that's fantastic. When you look back, just generally looking back at your career, I mean, obviously I'm going to ask you this later. You're basically, you were in Jonathan Power's shadow in a lot of people's opinion, but, uh, you had a fantastic career. How, how do you look at it? Uh, you know, when you look back at what yeah, you accomplished, no, you know, I don't look at it as though I was, I was in his shadow. You know, I was, I kind of was fortunate that I was uh, able to uh, come up with Jonathan. Uh, he certainly would have uh, dragged me along. And sort of, he always like, he was a year older than me growing up. Right. So yeah. he would sort of do something and I'd be 12 years old. And I watch him as a 13 year old, you know, beat, I don't know, you know, Steve Rand or something. I'd be like, how did he just do that? Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah. So the next year I'd be like, oh, I, you know, within one or two years, I got to beat Steve Rand. Right. You know, so there was always these benchmarks. That, I know, played, uh, I played in this junior tournament in Toronto. I might've been eight, 19. I forget eight, no junior 18. Uh, I don't know how John, how, how old would Jonathan so, be? Uh, uh, Jonathan is one year older than me. I'm 44. You're 51. So, so yeah. So, you know, so he would have been 15. six years young. Yeah. He beat me three, two. In the, it was in the final, right? Uh, right. But um, I just I remember playing him, and I thought, okay, I'll beat this guy. He's just lit, just a twerp. And then yeah. it just started happening, right? And then I, I remember he, what he did. He he put his uh, goggles right in front of the door on the floor. And I stepped wow. on them and broke them. Right? Nice. <laughs> nice. I don't know if that. Uh, to me, now thinking back, that was probably uh, by design. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe. <laughs> no, but like, uh, so, yeah, you know, yeah. obviously I was lucky to have this, this talented, you know, globally yeah. competitive kid yeah. as my, yeah. my benchmark. Um, I also had an older brother who was two years older than me, Pat, Patrick, yeah. who was Patrick's, who was like, you know, top junior sort of top four or five for his age all the time, maybe top 10 when he played a little bit in the, in the pros. So, and then I had good coaching. So you kind of put all these pieces together, uh, yeah. You know, my parents are always very supportive. So that's kind of how, you know, I don't look at it as though I was in, in anybody's shadow. I look at it as like I was pretty fortunate to have this sort of environment that could allow me to become competitive, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, that, that, that was the question I was going to ask you because I know, I, know, uh, I, I know you wouldn't think. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but no, and then like, you know, and then, and then literally I was finishing high school and Jonathan quit high school early. And then, so he started to play the tour. And so, you know, he would go out and, I don't know, he'd go to Barcelona or something. He'd come back and he'd tell me about his, his week in Barcelona, both on the court and off the court. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right? off the court would have been intriguing. Yeah, He'd be getting like some motorbike ride by some girl at three in the morning or whatever. And he's great. It was awesome. Like she toured me around Barcelona. I was like, and I'm in like grade 10 or grade 11. I'm like, yeah. I got to hit the tour. Yeah, no, exactly. <laughs> this yeah, sounds yeah. fun. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so then literally like right after high school, I kind of was debating whether to go to university or not. Uh, my heart, because the options were there. I mean, you could have continued playing squash at at university. A lot of guys did, you know, went to Western or went, uh, stateside and and play. I mean, it It wasn't that prolific back then, but uh, stateside wasn't really an option back then. Like a few people had done it, but it was just starting the whole, you know, going down to, uh, Harvard or Trinity or, you know, any of these schools, like it, it was really just starting when I was, coming out of high school like nobody was recruiting me put it that way uh, <laughs> right right no one was recruiting um, you then yeah, yeah, it wasn't so starting it was, yeah it wasn't really <laughs> an option uh now it's obviously it's it's a major 
driving force yeah. in junior squash now the opportunity to get a get an education at like one of these top schools in the states um so you know i was debating whether i go to school or not and then i, I kind of i think i took six months off i said okay i'm gonna extend high school by six months and i'm gonna go down to south america um and the states and i'm gonna play a bunch of tournaments so i'm just gonna see how i do um and, and I did okay. Like I was able to get to a few semis and I was competing and that's all I wasn't sure. Like, am I going to be able to compete here? Or I'm going to get my ass handed to me. Yeah, uh, and yeah. then I came back from that tour and I got enough positive reinforcement that my game was at a high enough level. And then I was like, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm going to go for this. So that's kind of how it, how it happened. But certainly, uh, yeah. Um, I'm certainly glad I did put it that oh, way. Oh, definitely. Yeah. And then you had Jonathan sort of leading the way, testing the waters early and, uh, send him yeah. back some uh, classic anecdotes. Yeah, which, which just, uh, <laughs> just helped, you know, increase the interest for sure. Absolutely. Now, I mean, I, I listed off some, you know, your major accomplishments, the, you know, the, the ones that, that, that stand out. And the one that stood out to me when I was uh, looking at all of this, uh, uh, you pro- I, I don't know if you agree, but winning the, the gold medal in, uh, in Winnipeg. Yeah, that was. Tell, a tell me, uh, tell me about that. How how did that feel? I, I know you you left Winnipeg when you were quite young, but Pan Am Gold, heading yeah. back there to where you uh, you basically yeah, like, started think, your squash. Exactly. I think it was it was fun. Uh, there's two things in Winnipeg that stick out for me. It would be that one for sure because I grew up there. So, you know, um, winning the Pan Am Games gold medal was a big deal. But uh, in the whole scheme of you know things that I've done, I wouldn't put it at at the top. I think. Uh, mm-hmm just the fact that it was a, a limited field. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, but uh, it was certainly like really special to go back to Winnipeg and win the gold for Canada and be in like on, on home turf. It had to have been my, a TSN uh, moment of the day though. Yeah. I wonder if I made the Vic router uh, and what's his, who, what was day. the other guy's name? Um, prolific uh, commentator, uh, TSN guy, uh, Michael Landsberg. Yeah, 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 they, they yeah, would have had. The you would have been all over, all over TSN. Yeah, yeah. he had me on off the record once, and oh, uh, did I, can't say I, I can't say I got the invite back. I think I was a bit too dry and serious. Really? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. He's a bit over the top as well. So, yeah, no, he's uh, he, he's a buddy. He's a he's a good buddy of power. Somehow he found uh, found power, and then beside yeah, yeah. each other. Yeah. yeah, he was on the um, on that uh, quite a few times. I think wasn't he? JP. He got yeah, to, yeah. No, yeah. well, he was controversial. He was controversial, and they loved that, right? Yeah, yeah. So uh, he, would, he, would, he, would, he would stir it up and they didn't, they didn't, the producers didn't know where, where it was going to go or whatever. So that's great. Yeah. Sort yeah. of like his squash game. A little bit, sort of like his life. He just controversial. Yeah. But, yeah. Um, so yeah, the, that, the, the Pan Am games, uh, yeah, obviously the, the, the draws weren't that deep. Now they are, they, I think they're a little bit deeper anyways. They but, are, uh, you know, the game has developed a lot more in South America now. So you can just look at Diego and, uh, yeah. Miguel and Colombia and the Mexicans have really come on strong and they've got a bunch of, so the depth in, uh, in South America, uh, and from the U S is, is way stronger than when we were playing, you know, when we were playing yeah. Canada was the dominant country and everybody was trying and Canada to uh, dominated the, uh, dominated North America. Yeah. Pretty, no, pretty, uh, there was no quite no debate. Yeah, no, we dominated the <laughs> Americans. We dominated South America. So it's, it's still a little bit foreign to me that this sort of like, the, the generation today and how they, uh, I, yeah, I don't know. It's, it is, it is a culture thing, right? It's sort of somehow we lost that. Well, uh, uh, that, now that, that we talk swagger. about it, I mean, um, yeah. think about you, you mentioned it earlier. You're talking about all the Australians that were, that had come over back in the eighties. You got, I mean, you mentioned, and, and also guys like Mike way, uh, Steve Lawton, uh, flurry, all these guys came over uh-huh. at that time, had a huge influence, I, I would assume, on, on junior squash. And that's sure. kind of had, that, that's what's happened in the U.S. basically 15, 20 years ago, the same thing has happened. Sure. No, they've got, they've got, a, they've got a lot of great coaches, right? A lot of expats who moved to the States and made a career for themselves coaching there. And mm. so that the whole generation of juniors, you know, I, it's funny. I can see some American juniors, and they literally look like for, they're from the Australian Institute of Sport. Like they've got like a, a Roddy Martin forehand or whatever. And yeah. You can just you can see that you know that kid has been coached by, yeah. you know, Rod Martin or some Australian. Like it's it's uh, it's written all over their backhand or forehand. But uh, so what happened? Can't, I don't know exactly what happened, but I think you know um, Jonathan and I sort of got to watch Gary Wade and. Mm. 
Crombie and Saberbutt and a few guys ahead of us. Gene Turk was part of the, you know that national team, and we got to sort of see like, okay, this is what it looks like to be a professional. So they yeah. kind of bl- blazed the trail for us, and then um, and then we sort of tried to follow uh, follow and do our own thing. And then, um, but you know, we got support from the government for sure in terms of like being carded and whatnot. But a lot of what we did was because, you know, Mike Way was a great coach and he took uh-huh. us under his wing and, and he set up a, a, a training institute for us. Um, yeah. Or, you know, growing up, I, was, I had great coaches in Winnipeg and stuff. But there was never any structure from Squash Canada top down that basically said, like, look, we got this kid in Winnipeg. We got this other kid out in, in Barrie, Ontario. We got to make sure that, you know, we, we, get, we support these guys with resources and coaching and make sure they don't fall, fall through the cracks. Like, it was really up to... Jonathan's parents and my parents mm. to make sure that, you know, we were yeah. given every opportunity and stuff. So I think, you know, you can't rely on just individual athletes. If you're going to have a, you know, a, a consistent generation of athletes coming through, you need to have a system in place and you right. need to have great coaching. They seem great to be coaching. trying to rectify that a bit now though. The last couple of years, they, they seem to have more of a structure. Uh, Squash Canada does uh, seem, yeah. at least from the outside, that that's from what I can Where imagine. I'm seeing it, where I'm seeing it really, uh, pick up is squash Ontario. Really? Um, yeah. That, that, yeah. Jamie Nichols has been doing an amazing job in squash Ontario. I don't have a great pulse of what's going on in the other provinces, to be honest. I know, uh, <clears throat> I know there's some really good, good things happening in Victoria and Vancouver. There's some, some hubs, if you will. Yeah. But I'm, again, I'm not sure if that's because squash Canada is sort of making sure that Vancouver and Victoria are working or if that's just because there's some good coaching and there's some, there's some, uh, uh, some good programming going on within those provinces. But I, but I do know Jamie Nichols is, is doing a great job at the squash Ontario level, trying to bring some real structure and funding and support to, uh, to all the kids that are showing, showing promise and talent. Yeah. Well, there's a, I mean, with the Canada's immigration uh, policy and uh, I've, I've heard there's quite a few sort of talented juniors coming through because of that indirectly, I guess. Uh, yeah. Well, uh, from all, from all, from everywhere. You know, they, if I go to the junior tournaments, you know, there's new Canadians and there's uh, there's kids from uh, all types of backgrounds and clubs and demographics and stuff. So it's 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 actually great because the uh, you know the environment is not just you know a bunch of kids from a country club or right. Yeah. right? It's like you're getting kids from every different background and opportunity and stuff. So it makes for a much more interesting uh, sort of uh, reflection of the sport for sure. Right on. Now, uh, just before we get in, d- dive into uh, Super Squash Saturdays, because that, that's, a, that's a big thing these days, uh, just look, you know, looking back at your career, again, three Canadian national titles, number 10 in the world, semifinals at the World, world Open. Uh, when you look back, what if you had to choose one, I know it's tough, that's always a – loaded question i guess but mm-hmm. uh, what would you say would be the 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 moment that you're most proud of uh in your career over oh i definitely think the uh the semifinals of the world championships yeah. was not not so much that week and it's in a, of itself but it was special like i took i took down some top 10 players and i had a great run and uh almost got through to the final was I think I had a match ball. I can't remember. It was who, so uh, what, what was your run in that? What was your run in that event? Uh, who? Um, uh, from round Nick one. Matthew beat Nick Matthew in the first round, uh-huh. three two, okay. and that, wow. that's what okay. opened that's what opened the draw up for me. Okay. Um, and then uh, Alex Goff in the second round, and then Peter yeah. Nickel in the quarters, uh, and then I lost to Thierry and Thierry uh, Leku in the uh, semis, and he ended up uh, beating Beachel in the final. I think. So, I mean, uh, you, you, that's a who's who of you know squash players right there. Right? I mean, you got yeah, Goff, no, it, Matthew, Nickel, Linku. How, I mean, yeah. the best of the best, and, and yourself. Well, it was yeah. it was the world championship, so you kind of uh, you'd, you'd hope it's the who's who. Matthew but, in the in round one. I mean, that that's a that's a great result. I guess he was young younger back then, but still no, still tough still, as nails. Uh, I'm was, sure he was seated five, so he was, was a top eight seed, but. I th- I think he was coming back from a back injury, so uh, I don't know if he was a hundred percent or not. But you know, you yeah. step on court, you, you yeah. assume you're a hundred percent. He certainly, you know, played five games and he wasn't looking to lose. So I'm not, uh, I'm not taking anything away from the victory. Um, but you know, beyond that week, though, I think it, 
more for me, it was like, uh, um, I sort of had reached a bit of a stumbling block in my, my game before that, where I was beating a lot of players outside the top 10, but I wasn't beating the top 10 guys. And yeah. so I, you know, I got on court with a few coaches and Mike and I really took a hard look at my game. And I really started to make some real like fundamental changes to my technique, which mm. I thought would allow me to just basically hit length with the top 10 guys and, and, yeah. and last in the rally longer. And it was, a, but it was a big, uh, it was a big change and a big fundamental step back before I could step forward. And, uh, right. and so that world championships was kind of, more of the uh, indicative of sort of it was a long journey to get to that point was I guess what I'm trying to say it was uh, yeah, that was well, a multi multi year process getting to be able to compete like when that. you saw it all unfold like that you get through Matthew you got, you got through uh, Goff you got through Nickel you must have been saying holy I was a little bit holy bleep like, what, the, what the fuck is going on <laughs> <laughs> yeah but the win over Peter must have been you know particularly uh, uh, special because obviously we know the the, the power nickel uh, rivalry. You yeah, were there for he, all of that. And he had just beat power the round before and Razik was there uh, yeah. as well. So it was, uh, it's not normal to have your buddies uh, necessarily there at the tournament. As you go sooner later in the tournament, everybody loses and they fly home. But for what, yeah. th- for whatever reason, power and uh, uh, Razik were still hanging around. So <clears throat> they were coaching me through that nickel match. And, oh, uh, wow. Yeah. And when I beat them, they were banging on the glass and stuff. It was, it was a oh, that's special great. moment for sure. It was cool. That's fantastic. Well, uh, before now, now I want to get into uh, Super Squash Saturdays here. Now, uh, I was wondering, um, just before I heard anything about Super Squash Saturdays coming out, I saw the, uh, the Power Game YouTube thing. Yeah. And that was obviously out there to get people's uh, attention, right? Yeah, uh, I think uh, that, w- that was the idea. That yeah. was the thing, yeah. And I was like, yeah, yeah this is great. You know, I was watching it. It's a good documentary. Like, oh, it's fantastic. It's, it's the best. It's really good. Yeah. Really yeah. good. And a lot I of I hadn't that, watched it in years. I was in uh, South Korea at the time when, you know, when, when Jonathan was playing his best squash. It was like back in 96, 97. And I, I remember they used to televise it a lot on uh, one of the, the, it was like a Hong Kong-based TV station there. And... Um, so I, a lot of the footage, I, I remember that. But uh, uh, one thing I was going to say, I, um, Jonathan, uh, you guys were joking around a bit, but you're, you're a big uh, Chomsky and Dostoevsky uh, fan, as, as I was or am, as am I. I was thinking, you know, I might read The Idiot again uh, next, next week. I might pull that yeah, one out. It's one of my favorite you know books. I never uh, – I'm going to give that one to you because I never had the uh, – the the patience to get through those books like uh, I can okay. do Noam Chomsky but the, the oh, Chomsky's great yeah, yeah. Like, well the, yeah well they're long you know, the, no they're long and they're they're a real they're a real grind so I yeah. uh, I just like sure the way he builds the character the characters are quite entertaining the way he gets yeah. into character building his characters but that, I was I, I was just starting to read like <laughs> just random stuff back then because to be honest I was getting a little bit bored of of just the tour and, you know, doing your morning hit and then going back and watching a few movies in the afternoon and then play your match at night. And, and, you know, it was, it was, uh, I needed a little bit something else to go on, you know, in yeah. my brain. So I just started reading like some sort of heavy stuff cause I wasn't in school. I wasn't working. You know what I mean? Like I needed That's something. a smart thing to do. You, know, you got to keep yeah. your brain active and keep, you know, especially yeah. with, with Chomsky. I mean, geez, it's <laughs> fantastic. I saw yeah. him on, um, he was on one of the major media networks the other day and they were asking him about Joe, Joe Biden or something. And he gave his spin right. why, why Americans should vote for him. But he, he's, right. he's still out there. He's yeah, yeah. got the gravelly yeah. voice and everything. Yeah, he's still going, <laughs> as, he should, as he should be. As he yeah. should be. Yeah, we need people like him. But uh, So Super Squash Saturdays now. Um, how are things setting up for tomorrow? Last week, uh, first, first of all, let me just say this. Um, I want to say this. Uh, it's been fantastic. Okay. Good. From the squash, from the commentary, from the, you know, from JP, from Diego, from the production, it's first class all the way, yeah, well. you know, it, fantastic stuff. Uh, JP's in his element. Diego's, Diego's loving it. He, he's fantastic. Uh, yeah. you, the two of you guys, uh, Dean and uh, yourself, fantastic. The production yeah, is well, fantastic. Well done, man. 
Thank you. Thank you. I can't, I certainly can't take credit. Like obviously I'm just commentating. Uh, and this yeah, was Jonathan's, this was Jonathan's yeah. idea. Him and Diego decided they yeah. were in a situation where they could do this. They, you know, they're living together in like this training camp environment. They had access to a court. They're like, okay, let's, let's do something here. It could be fun. So, uh, and, and Dean and I had commentated in the past. We had done some, uh, commentating for together. like, uh, yeah, for yeah. A, like a pro squash tournament at the Cambridge club years ago. And we, we had done some commentating, <laughs> yeah. but uh, actually a little more serious than what we were doing here at Super Squash Saturday. Oh, really? So okay. We, the me- so the members kinda, expected uh, some serious commentary. Yeah, no, it was, it was real, like pro squash. Uh, so we, we had to treat, treat it a little more seriously. But uh, so we were, you know, Dean and I have obviously just been having fun with it because we uh, grew up together. So we can kind of, we're kind of, I, I can feed off of his, basically I'm his sidekick and I can just yeah. feed off of his uh, his, Any uh, reference you know, he throws at you, you're going to get it, right? Well, and that's kind of our humor. We kind of th- like throw stuff at each other, and we see how we bob and weave. Like, and, I like. I like. And, he uh, he made some comment uh, last week about Toronto and district squash or something. I thought that was quite entertaining. Uh, um, so the Toronto and district remember, boast or something. Or, uh, oh yeah, the Toronto boast, the one off Toronto the boast. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then yeah, uh, Jonathan's uh, fast hands the week before. That, that was also very. That was that was very very clever. And then yeah. uh, and then his sign off last week was great. It takes a it takes oh, yeah. a big man to cry, but it takes an even bigger man to laugh at that man. <laughs> no, exactly. <laughs> like, yeah. So he's yeah. Uh, he's definitely he's definitely quick. But, uh, and then the production, you're right. Like, uh, John has got his friend doing the uh, production in the background. He's uh, the, that know. tune that they play in between games is it's, it's the best. What, I, I, <laughs> what, what, uh, is it, do you know the name of the, the song or the I, artist? I don't or, actually, I, I can find it. Or is it Jonathan you know? put it together himself no, or something? That, or? No, that's tr- That's all Trevor. Trevor came up with. Okay. It's great. Great. Every, great tune. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I, I think, I think we need like, I think we need more, like, you know, not just one, two. I think yeah, yeah, that's that's come up with something new for the, for this week, particularly given it's the, uh, the, the rubber, the rubber match or, or the tiebreaker. Yeah, it is. it's going to be great. So, no, so, this, this week's going to be a little bit different, but I won't spoil it. It's going to be a bit different. Okay. All right. Well, I've got, I do have a few questions uh, for you. Jay, do you have an update on uh, JP's niggle? Uh, I don't. I've been texting this week, and he says he's getting better, but I don't have a, uh, a full update because it didn't uh, look like a cramp to me. No, he strained his calf a bit, so he's uh, he's uh, been he's been managing his calf this week. Okay, yeah. so that's what have a bit more of a boiler going this week, then. Yeah, that's what happens when you're 45 and you're trying to trying to compete for Super Squash Saturday. Your your calf starts to rebel. Yeah. No. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> But uh, I mean, his his play, he's playing well, the hardball, yeah. obviously. But uh, I was, uh, I mean, I thought last week his movement. I mean, he was moving much. He was moving better. Last Did you think week. he was better? Yeah. In the first yeah. few games, it looked like he was faster. I think he might have been pumped up. He might have been pretty fired up because I because yeah. I think Diego, you know, he knew Diego was going to come out hard, and yeah. uh, and it looked like he was moving. You know the pace was high, and he was keeping up with the pace. But that might have been his undoing. Maybe, maybe. You know, there there were some amazing rallies in the second week. Like, uh, yeah, yeah. You know, they were diving and you know rolling off the ground and then falling <laughs> the ball and like yeah. it, was, it was great stuff. Like you know, and, and Trevor was getting it all on replay, which is awesome. Uh, but I thought the quality of the squash in the second week actually picked up a little bit. Yeah. Relative and the first week and the first week the quality was high. Like I was. The, the, you know, you're not seeing a lot of mistakes. You're seeing a lot no, of winners. There's not like many mistakes of, at all. Tons no. of offense, long rallies. Like you're Diego it stepped it's, his game up definitely in the second week. Yeah, but yeah. but JP still has that you know that patented uh, that hold on on the forehand where he doesn't bring the racket back that far and he just you know he, he's, he's still quick, got that. Got the quick release and and he gets on the ball so early, right? That's where a lot of people don't. Yeah. appreciate where his deception comes from but it's because he gets up there so quickly he's got the, uh, uh, the he, gamesmanship with it with his outfit as well yeah the uh the german tourist socks that dean likes to call them <laughs> <laughs> yeah they're fantastic um yeah. now have you had any uh so no update on jp's uh, i guess yeah the update is that um oh yeah, i think he's, he's been treating it all, he's been treating it all week yeah that's okay. that's the update yeah 
Okay. Um, and now the Peruvian um, Peruvian commentators, uh, uh, they, they came in, uh, I believe, are they Peruvian? One of them is Andreas, I think okay. is his name. I don't know him. He's a friend of uh, Diego's. He's okay. from Peru. Yeah. And then the other guy, Esteban Casarino, is from Paraguay. Okay. Uh, and, okay. and he sort of grew up, he grew up with us. He'd be more my age. He'd be in his 40s. Right. Uh, but he's like a, you know, just a big figure in squash. I think he does a lot of coaching in, in Paraguay, and he's just a, uh, a you know, a well-known, yeah. well-known South American name in squash. So I think that's uh, that's um, why he was in there. Well, it's good, good that they're they're getting it out there as well for the uh, you know the South yeah, American. Uh, no, it's great fans for sure. And uh, any any feedback from that side of the world? Like, I mean, you're getting it from everywhere, right? I mean, everyone I've, everyone's talking about. Super squash. Yeah, Saturday. like it's amazing yeah. how many people have been reached out, reached out to me and just you know, and any positive, any big shout outs and like uh, you know, uh, Jahangir yeah, or anyone. <laughs> I was kind of I was kind of waiting for jo- Jordan or um, Scotty Pip, Rory McIlroy or somebody to sort of shout out. To well, Fed Federer is a squash player, right? That's true. That's true. No, there's a, there's a bunch. You know, uh, Timu Solani is a big squash player and. Was it, is it, was it real? Uh, was he just pulling our leg, but did uh, Ty Domi uh, send a message? Yeah. No, they're, 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 they're our buddy. They're that's our buddies. Great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Ty, Ty plays squash, but they're good buddies, him and Power. So uh, yeah. he'd be watching for sure. Wouldn't want to get in an argument with him uh, on the squash no, court. <laughs> no. You can, you, you can see why Jonathan's even a little bit more precocious now because he's got Ty Domi in his corner, right? Oh, yeah. So he, can, he can say whatever he wants now for real. Oh, for sure. Yeah, Dom- Domi had the best hockey fights. Uh, him and, and Probert, those, they were just crazy. Yeah. Was it him? It yeah. Bob Probert, right? And Ty Domi. There's a great, there's a great documentary. Have you seen The Guardians on Ice? Uh, no, I where, seen they ta- where they Where they profile all the fighters back in, yeah. in yeah. hockey. McSorley. And, uh, uh, yeah, and everybody talks about how uh, Probert was, was the best the fighter. But they, sh- but they show them all. And yeah. they, they interview all these guys and and they they talk about how the sport is so different now uh, yeah. that they don't have these guardians like protecting the star players and you yeah. got Sidney Crosby getting concussions. There's no way Gretzky would have got concussions. No, but, no, no, no. So no. So no, I remember the best. One of the best hockey fights uh, when I was quite young. I'll never forget this when it was Larry Robinson and Stan Jonathan. Do you remember that one? No, Boston Bruins, Stan Jones. Look it up on YouTube. Uh, okay. Stan Jones, he was more like uh, like a Ty Domi type short. Right. Robinson was just you know this tall, lanky guy uh, for the Canadians, and it was a great fight. <laughs> <laughs> a great hockey fight. Yeah. I, I wish we had that in squash where you could talk really. I remember that great fight in squash. I almost saw a, a really good fight. One of our boys from Nova Scotia, he was playing um, – I was in the gap. I'd already finished my match, but it was, um, you might not know him, Keith Boyle. Yep. I know the name. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, he was playing uh, Joe Besso. Uh, and the, I think the match was tied one all. So it was the big, it was whoever won one. And uh, it was, I think Joe was winning the match. It was close, though. And Keith had kind of, he dove for the ball and went in the front court, dove for a front court ball. And he was like lying on the floor and, just kind of popped it up, and, and Joe, instead of just hitting it to the back of the court, hammered it right into him as he was on the floor, right? Yeah, yeah. And then Keith kind of jumped up, and Keith's just, you know, he, he's as tough as nails, and he'll go, right? He'll, he'll yeah, go. Yeah. And they were, at, yeah. you know, face-to-face there, and the referee had to come Amazing. on to the court. And, uh, but you, I guess you might know Joe Besso. Amazing. Yeah. Oh, I know just Joe Besso well, and yeah. he, uh, he's, a good, he's a good friend of mine, but he um, – like growing up as teenagers when we were trying to come through like the Canadian pro ranks, yeah. like Besso was like a milestone. Like you had to get through Besso. He, <laughs> yeah. Right? yeah. Like tough he, he, as was nails, just, man. he was tough as nails and he would try to intimidate you and you know, spit yeah. at you or whatever it took. Right. Oh, like, yeah. Yeah. Uh, it was, it was hard. It was hard to get through. That, but, <laughs> yeah. But, you know, <laughs> yeah, that was the closest but, uh, I've seen to, uh, I'm, I'm sure you, I mean, you've, you've been to so much, you've seen so much. I saw, I saw a life. great, great one years ago where, uh, Anthony Ricketts was coming through and he would have been like 18, 19 years old. So he was sort yeah. of a young guy pushing up. Yeah. And Del Harris was, you know, late twenties, maybe early thirties. So it was sort of the old guard, and the new guard. And they were having a, in Hong Kong, they were having just a, like a, like a well-fought match. And Dell took exception to something and he, and Dell's a huge guy. Like he's like six, two and thick. 
Yeah. And, uh, but Anthony Ricketts is not a small guy. And no. he was a young guy at the time. Yeah, he looks like he, so, he means business too. Uh, yeah, and Dell took exception to something and he just turned and he started like, like getting right into Ricketts' grill. And Rick, Ricketts didn't even flinch and he just pushed back and he pushed his head right up into uh, Dell's like chin. And he's like, look, I'm not going anywhere. Like I may be 18 and you may be Dell Harrison, 30 years old, but I'm not going anywhere. Like that was yeah, the message. Yeah. And Dell yeah. completely like did a sec, had a second thought and things diffused, whatever. And I just remember watching it being like, that's how you respond to somebody when they get up into your grill. It was just awesome. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. You don't really see uh, that in squash, but it ha- it does happen on occasion. Uh, yeah. No, it, I mean, it, it's, it's two guys in a confined or two, two players in a confined space and they're jockeying for position. They're pushing yeah. each other around. Like it's going to get contentious. It always did. It always yeah. does. Yeah. It's uh, the players nowadays though. They seem to sort of behave pretty well. Uh, relatively speaking, I think for the most part, it, it's changed a bit. I think it's because of the uh, the way officiating maybe has changed. Yeah, I think it. I think it is better. Like there's less dialogue yeah. um, between the players and the refs, which which I think to the viewership is better. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can also get penalized now if you're blocking. You can actually get a stroke called against you. Yeah, yeah. Uh, where they didn't they didn't have that in uh, you know five or ten years ago even. So I think uh, that forces people mm-hmm. to to not make themselves so big after they've hit a shot. Right. right. Did you ever play Jancher? Yeah, I did. Uh, How was that? Cause he was sort of no, I mean, obviously, I mean, I watch him play and I'm like, that guy was just incredible. Yeah. Just incredible. But uh, he was known for his blocking a little bit, wasn't he? No, yeah. He was professional, professional at shutting the court <laughs> down for sure. Um, yeah. No, I played him when I was like 19 or 20 years old. And like I did, <clears throat> I was ranked outside the top 20. So he had no idea who I was. Right. And, uh, but I managed to get through to my first quarterfinals. So I'm playing Jauncher in the quarterfinals of Qatar. And, uh, and I love that court. That was the, you know, that's the same court that I got to the semis in the world's I Yeah. Yeah. I think year, you, you mentioned that. That was your, uh, I think it was on Super Squash Sarah. You, you mentioned right. that was your favorite right. court. Yeah. And so, uh, so Jauncher starts like doing his thing, but I'm like just scrambling around the court and I'm counterattacking like crazy. And, yeah. and, uh, so I like would get up. So, in the, you know, in the, I think the, First game, I got up a 13-11. The second game, I was, like, up again, like, you know, 12 or 13-something. And then he would just, like, shut the game down and then claw me back. And then uh. in the third game, I was up 14-13, I think. Uh, game ball, and I thought, okay, this is my chance. I'm going to get the game. And then he literally just went block, 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 shook my hand and walked up. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, he used to get the benefit of a lot of, uh, you know, officiating uh, his way. He did. As well. He did. He did. But he did have the ball control to back it up. So, yeah. Oh, yeah. So. He he was in the movement. He moved so well. Like it looked like he was just walking around on the court. Yeah. Yeah. When he was when he was younger, he was just uh, so effortless um, yeah. moving around the court. You know, I, I think Ali Farag is a lot like uh, mm. uh, a lot like Jauncher. Uh, you know, when Jauncher was younger, it was yeah. that sort of. You know, they Language they just you can, you can barely hear them move around the court. They're so light on their feet, and they yeah. just look like they look like they can really do it for, for as long as it, as long as it takes. Yeah. I'll, I'll never forget. Uh, speaking of light on the feet, uh, Mike way, I, I've had a few sessions with Mike, uh, over the years and, uh, not a few, I would like two or three. He's been to Halifax a couple of times and, yeah. uh, he was with the provincial team when we were, he gave us one or two sessions and I'll never forget how uh, heavy on my feet. He told me he was, I was right. at the time. Right. Yeah. 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 Yeah, no, he, uh, foot, well, footwork was a big thing for him, for sure. Yeah. And uh, he was the first, one of the first coaches I know that actually like broke it down. He made a footwork video. I remember actually, that. Yeah. You know, tried to show, you know, just beyond his immediate arms, people like this is how you're supposed to properly move into the corners. And uh, uh, I just remember him telling me like, you know, you want to move around the court, Graham, and like uh, a rhythm that you feel like you can sustain it for five games. And if you feel like you're moving too heavy and too powerfully or whatever, and uh, then you know you need to have that conversation with yourself and and uh, and and find something that's sustainable. Right, right. Well, Graham, you you've been amazing with your time. Now, before you go, uh, I'd be remiss if I did not ask you for a prediction for tomorrow's. Oh, prediction. Um, who's going to win tomorrow? I think I think I'm going to go with Diego because I'm just a little concerned that uh, Jonathan's calf is going to flare up. Yeah. So, you know, if you're asking to be put my, uh, put some money on the line, I think I would have to go with Diego, but, um, 
that's certainly, uh, yeah. it's, I don't have that much conviction in that call, put it that way. Well, you know, JP is going to pull out all the stops uh, tomorrow. If, if, if there's any hint of, of an injury, uh, he'll be pulling out all the stops. And, uh, you know, he's got the mentor, uh, sort of uh, the mentor-mentee uh, thing going in his favor. So uh, we'll see no, how, for sure he's, how that plays he, out. You, you got to think he's got a mental, uh, a mental advantage over Diego, who he's coaching. So you got to think uh, – yeah. And they're, they're having fun. I mean, Diego's a, such a good sport with it all, too. I mean, he, he looks like he's really genuinely enjoying, enjoying it a lot, you know? I think so, yeah. I think yeah. they, you know, it's uh, – for him, he gets to play like a slightly different version of softball. Yeah. Uh, but it's still like, you know, it creates, it creates a competitive level playing field be, between him and Jonathan, which, uh, which I'm sure he's loving because, you know, if yeah. they try to play softball, there's only so many rallies that Jonathan can do that for. Right. Uh, at the, at this stage, but so I'm sure Diego's just loving competing against Jonathan, who he surely grew up watching, right? So. Absolutely, and I'm sure. Uh, I mean, this this may bring a, a resurgence um, to to the hardball game uh, after uh, maybe we get back on the court. Uh, could it would people be, are it talking would be, about hardball now? Yeah, no, I know it could be. It could be. There could be something there. Like it's a good sport. Uh, yeah, it's a it's yeah. a fun sport to watch. Yeah. Uh, so you know, it's another version of squash. So there's no point in uh, pretending it, it didn't exist. It's a, it's a legitimate game unto itself. Yeah, for sure. Well, Graham, uh, all the best to your family. You guys uh, stay safe, stay healthy. And uh, from all the squash community uh, out there, I want, uh, want to say thank you for, uh, for what you guys and your team um, with the squash, Super Squash Saturday is doing. And uh, have a good time tomorrow. Uh, I will. Thanks for having me on and uh, same to you. All the best. Well, that was long overdue. Many thanks to Graham for taking the time out to uh, speak to us just before, hours before uh, match number three between Diego Elias and Jonathan Power uh, on Super Squash Saturdays. And thank all of you for listening. I uh, hope you're enjoying these uh, episodes. We've got a few more coming up. Jesse Engelbrick is coming up. Uh, we've got a few more after that as well in the works. So uh, everyone take care. Enjoy your squash. Stay safe. Thanks to our sponsor, uh, Active Scout. And uh, we'll be talking to you again very soon. Goodbye now.